welcome out this Sunday morning. Thank you for being here. Grab your hymn books now. Let's stand together. Brother Ken's going to lead us as we make a joyful noise. Uh, uh, we're glad to see you this morning. Where'd you go, Brother Ken? All right, that scared me. I thought maybe the rapture happened and all of y'all got left behind. Amen. Come on, Brother Ken. Amen. Page number 246 this morning. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. We'll do the first, second, and last verse this morning. Hymn number 246. for being here. Uh, I'm going to ask James to take us to the throne of grace. You join us this morning as we ask the Lord to meet with us and bless our services. Pray for us, buddy, if you would. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here on the day that you've set aside for us to come before you and worship you. Father, we, we know that we are gathered here not because you need us to praise you. You are infinitely worthy of that, but Father, we are here because we, as mere creatures, need you, our creator. Father, we need you to sustain us every day with food and drink and air. But, Father, beyond that, we needed you to reconcile us to yourself. Father, there was a gap between us that we as humans had created, and we could not cross that gap that we had made. So, Father, you and your eternal plan set your son to bridge that gap on our behalf for us and to make us sure treasured possession. And, Father, we can never thank you enough for that. Father, it is for that very reason that we are gathered here today because of what your Son did for us 2,000 years ago. And Father, as we reflect upon that truth today, we pray that your Spirit would come here and help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we pray that as the songs are sung and as the Word is preached later, as all of this is done in worship to you, may our hearts and our minds be lifted up towards you. May we see your Son in his beauty and in his glory. Father, may we see you for what you have done for us and may we worship you because of that fact. Father, then we pray that if someone is here and they have never yet known the sweetness of Christ as Savior and as Lord, that they would bow that knee and come to Him in salvation and faith. Yeah. 
Father, we love you and, and we long for the day when we will put on immortality and, and worship you for all eternity. And Father, until that day comes, we love you and we'll keep thanking you through your son we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I love this old song. Love to hear this young man sing it. You listen now as our choir sings out because he lives.
appreciate that so much. Aren't you glad when he was there, he was thinking of you, amen? Let me give you several announcements this morning. Uh, first of all, a reminder uh, that next Sunday morning, uh, we'll have our Father's Day celebration. You don't want to miss that. We're also going to be taking up a special offering next Sunday. On Monday, uh, Brother Eddie Gunner will be heading out to Monroe County, Mississippi, uh, working with the EMS uh, on some of the disaster that's happened down there. Uh, and if you've watched the news, you know that it's been significant. And so when he's took, taking off, we're going to take up an offering to help support the work that's happening down there in those churches. So you give generously next Sunday, if at all possible. And then we've got several other announcements, new things in your bulletin that I want to call your attention to on Sunday, July the 7th. We'll have a baby shower during our Sunday school for Zach and Ashley Reynolds. Uh, most of you know Brother Zach is one of our military boys. He and Ashley were married a couple of years ago, and they're expecting a new baby boy. So they'll be coming in, and we'll be doing a, a, a baby shower for them on Saturday, June the 22nd. Wedding shower for Tiffany uh, Horton and Logan Har. Uh, mo most of you remember Tiffany, uh, uh, precious, precious young girl. I'm, I'm happy to have a small part in their wedding that's coming up uh, in just a few weeks in August. So we're excited about that. Keep that in mind if you would. And then uh, those of you that are heading uh, our senior saints to uh, the ARC trip, uh, there's a $150 deposit that is due by June the 23rd. Please keep that in mind. The dates are in there for you. And then also note there our ongoing uh, uh, information regarding Operation Christmas Child. Uh, we've got lots of new information in there, and I want to call your attention to it. Uh, we will have our, uh, what they're calling Crafts and Tea for OCC, cute name, on Monday, June the 17th here in the teen room from 4 to 8. Uh, all ages are welcome to attend. All of the information is there. Please, please, please pay attention to that and note that they're asking to sign up if you would uh, uh, either in the back vestibule or in our postal area to just let them know that you'll be attending. They're going to have some uh, light food there and refreshments, so please keep that in mind if you would. Lots of things uh, going on to, today or this week and this month at, at our church. I went to get my hair cut this past week and the uh, barber said, Preacher, y'all got anything going on at your church during the summer? Ten minutes later, I was still listing everything we were doing and he said, alright, that's enough. Amen. So, uh, Always something to do. Always a way to serve the Lord. And so you keep all of these things in mind if you would. Alright, let's have our little ones. Come on, make your way down. If you are heading to Children's Church and Junior Church or Junior Church, uh, come on and make your way. If you're visiting, they're going to collect any loose change you got. This is our Penny March. Uh, y'all take off, young folks.
appreciate it. Fellas, make your way down this morning, brother and sister Or You all come get ready to sing for us. You be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. And God will richly, richly bless you as always for your faithfulness to him. I'm going to pray. Ask God's blessings on the offering. And we'll ask brother and sister Or to come sing for us. Lord, we sure love you today. And we're honored for the opportunity that we have to be in your house. We don't take for granted the fact that doors are open and there are folks here today to hear from heaven. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them as we deliver the word of God. Bless this offering, brother and sister Roar, as they sing. Lord, we pray that your son would be magnified, glorified, lifted up in everything that we do. Because you've plainly told us if we lift him up, you'll draw men and women unto you. Bless now in everything that happens at SAGBC today. We'll love you, thank you, and praise you. In Christ's name, amen. I'd like to say something first this morning uh, before we get started. But uh, as you well know, we, we go to the nursing home at Stewart. Yes, sir. And it's such a blessing. Amen. You know, if, if you just take one day out of your week and walk through the nursing home, Absolutely. you would be so thankful. Amen. You would be so thankful for what God has given you. Because I'll tell you why. It's, 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 it's just tears my heart out every time I go. But you know, even at that, they always lift us up. You know, we go to lift them up. And we're the ones that get lifted up. And I could shout this morning and probably clear the whole building. I could. After the service was over with and everybody was leaving, they were taking everybody out. And Ed hollered at me. <clears throat> and she said, the lady on the front row wants to give her, her heart to the Lord. Amen. And I'm going to tell you what, <clears throat> when you see somebody at that age that going through what they're going through yes, and get saved, Amen. you could see a, a difference in her face. A difference. I mean, she had a smile on her face that you just would not believe. And, uh, you know, it does my heart good. It does my heart good just to be able to be a part of it. Amen. You know, just like I told them, it's not me. I'm just doing what God would have me to do. But the thing about it is, you know, for somebody to realize that, there's, that they were lost. Amen. That's what I told them. I said, you've got to realize that you're lost before you can be found. That's right. Amen. And, you know, I thank God today for all his blessings, and that was part of the service. Amen was giving God the glory for the blessings that we do have. And he just does something to you. When you see somebody come to the Lord 
that is at that age. And then you got people that turn and have the opportunity and turn and walk away. Turn and walk away thinking that they got plenty of time. Well, I got news for you. You don't have that time. You're not guaranteed to walk out of this building. And you need to give God the thanks for every breath that you breathe. But I, you know, uh, I'm so glad that the Lord touched her. So glad. Woo! Amen. I'll tell you what. It ain't nothing. It ain't nothing no better than to, to, to give out a shout for the Lord because he deserves it today. We was all hell bent, hell bound, and God made a difference in our life. And you ought to be shouting this morning. Amen. Amen. It don't hurt to shout. Right. You know, we don't have to come to church and sit down and, and, and uh, with our mouth zipped up. <laughs> I'll guarantee you one thing, Brother Greg's probably going to throw me out of my here. <laughs> but you'll go to a, a ball game. That's right. You go to a ball game. And you let her rip. But when it comes to praising the Lord, you zip up your lips. But, uh, you know, I, I just thank God today. I just thank God today and give him thanks and give him the praise. And we're going we're gonna to try to do this. Uh, I've been touched. And, uh, you know... Uh, it's nothing professional about me. I'm just an old country boy. And as Brother Greg says, we just open up and let her fly. Amen. So uh, we'll do the best that we can. I was heavy burden down. The hands of Satan had me bound I called on Jesus He had compassion on me When his love came rushing in And he took away my sin I've been changed from that old sinner I used to be I've been touched by those hands that were hanging from a tree on a lonely hill that day. He put a song in my heart that keeps ringing. It was Jesus who made me this way
can take all the things that I've worked for through the years. They can take this little old house I'm living in. Oh, but there's one thing I know they will never take away. That was Jesus who's living within. I've been touched by those hands that were hanging from a tree on a lonely hill that day. He put a song in my heart that keeps ringing it was jesus who made me this way yes it was jesus who made me this way stand together one more time for a fellowship song this morning. Hymn number 55, when the roll was called up yonder, we'll do the first verse and course. Have a time of fellowship, page number 55. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over all the other shore, and the it's called a thunder, I'll be
Amen. Thank you so much, always, for being kind to one another. Second Timothy, in your Bibles this morning, Second Timothy, chapter number two. I want to say, first of all, to Brother and Sister Roar, I appreciate your faithfulness to that nursing home ministry. Amen. Several months ago, I, it's been a year ago, I guess now, when he came to me and said, Preacher, Annette and I used to do this when he was pastoring. Would it be all right to continue this as a ministry out of SAGBC? And I said, if you would, I'd do belly flips and back flops and cartwheels. And if I did any of that, y'all have to take me to the nursing home myself. Amen. <laughs> Uh, but I appreciate their, their willingness to uh, do what they can for the cause of Christ. And when he said, when you're at a ball game, you're shouting, the first thing I thought, yeah, especially if somebody's whooping up on Carolina. Second Timothy chapter 2, please, is where we'll be looking. Preach, preacher! Amen. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 2. Let's begin in verse number 19 this morning. And we'll read down through verse number 23. A real parallel passage, in my opinion, from Jeremiah that looks at the potter. This is a fascinating statement that Paul makes to the young preacher. If you found your place, say amen. Nevertheless, Paul writes, 2 Timothy 2.19, The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his... Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Verse 21. Excuse me, verse 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also vessels of wood and of earth, some to honor some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. We got to pause there a moment. If a man therefore purge himself from these, what are the these? It refers back to the last noun of verse number 20, that noun phrase, some to dishonor. So if a man purge himself from those that vessels that are of dishonor, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. Meet for the master's youth, use, prepared for every good work. And then he says in verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And finally, verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strife. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the soul saved yesterday at that precious nursing home. Lord, how that just excites my fire and makes us ready to do even more for the cause of Christ. Thank you for brother and sister Roar and their faithfulness to that ministry. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them for those efforts. Lord, we come now to the part of the hour that is so critical, surely not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained the foolishness of preaching as the instrument by which souls will be saved. Lord, I pray that you would do that this morning. First of all, that you would forgive me of anything that would stand in the way of delivering your word. And God, now I pray that if there's a soul lost today, that you would send the sweet Holy Ghost to do the work that only the Spirit can do. And Lord, for all of us, 
May we walk out of here today closer than when we walked in to you. We'll sure love you, we'll thank you, and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Sunday school teacher was teaching her sixth grade class when little Johnny, who is always on time, in fact, usually there early, walked in 20 minutes late. Surprised, the Sunday school teacher looked at Johnny and said, Johnny, is everything okay? You're always early. What happened this morning? Johnny said, well, ma'am, it's like this. I got up this morning, and I had made up my mind that I wasn't coming to Sunday school. I was going fishing. I got my rod. I got my reel together. I had my clothes on, and before I could get out the door, my daddy looked at me and said, you're not going fishing. It's a Sunday. Get yourself to church. And teacher looked at Johnny and said, well, good for you, Johnny. Good for your daddy. Did he explain to you why it was important for you to come to church Sunday school instead of going fishing? He said, yes, ma'am. My daddy said he didn't have enough bait for the both of us. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Apostle Paul was an absolute master of using ordinary illustrations to reveal a significant spiritual truth. We saw Jesus would do that often in the form of a parable where he would give an illustration or tell a story that would illustrate some heavenly meaning. The Apostle Paul used all kinds of imagery in his writings to help the readers understand uh, through that simple imagery some deep spiritual significance. Our text today is another I think, incredible example of Paul's use of imagery or symbolism to help convey a very important spiritual meaning. I think that we do ourselves a disservice when we don't preach enough the importance of the fact that as God's children, we are to depart from iniquity. I want to remind you that Paul is writing to a preacher. This is Paul's second letter to Timothy. This is his protege. This is his son in the faith. And he gives Timothy some very clear, specific instructions and images. But at the same time, we understand that this imagery and this lessons, they don't just apply to preachers. They don't just apply to Timothy. They apply to all of us. The image that we have is pretty clear. It's the same imagery that Jeremiah uses when he talks about how he's been to the potter's house. But in this instance, instead of going to the potter's house, Paul uses the imagery of a great big house that's full of vessels. Some of those vessels are gold. Some of those vessels are silver. Some of those vessels are wood, and some of those vessels are clay. But importantly, Paul says that some of those vessels are vessels of honor, and some are vessels of dishonor. May I pause a moment and say this morning that if you're saved, I hope you will amen me that it is the desire of every born-again believer to be a vessel that honors God. Our world today, our society today has seen enough of so-called Christians uh, who bring disgrace and dishonor to the name of God. 
I don't, I'm not going to cast shade on anybody or anything, but I think the world has seen enough uh, of people who name the name of Christ, uh, but whose lives bring dishonor to the church and to the cause of Christ. God, give us today in 21st century America some sold-out, born-again believers who say, like Joshua of old, y'all can do what you want to do, but as for me and my house, we serving God. I want to give you a message this morning about becoming a vessel that honors God. Becoming a vessel that honors God. I cannot believe what I'm about to tell you. My heart is having palpitations as I say it. My message this morning is two points. I've had three-point outlines for the last 25 years, but I got two for you this morning. Number one, note with me, if you would please, the diversity surrounding these vessels. The diversity that surrounds these vessels. Go back with me, please, to verse number 20, if you would. Scripture says, this is important, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. Speaking of the different vessels, Paul describes the incredible diverse nature of these vessels. I want you to note with me, please, the arrangement. In using this analogy, in using this imagery, Paul sets the stage by saying, In a great house. In a great house. So I encourage you to set your mind's eye on a magnificent home. Perhaps if you've ever been down to uh, Asheville, you've been to the home Biltmore. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Several of you do. You'll be amazed to know that on mine and Renee's very first official formal date, I took her to Biltmore. It has been downhill ever since for her. Amen. <laughs> you know, when you go to the biggest house in America first, you really can't top that. Amen. But set your, set your mind's eye on the Biltmore estate. For those of you who may not have been there, Biltmore was, of course, built by the Vanderbilt family. A magnificent structure even by today's standards. Magnificent in its size. Magnificent in its scope. Beautiful, especially at the holidays. Something really to behold if you've never been. I encourage you to go. If you were to walk into the Biltmore house and in any one of the rooms, you would see vessels everywhere. Cups, saucers, bowls, jugs, vases, vessels galore everywhere. And each of them different. All owned by the same family, all owned in this case by the Vanderbilts, uh, all maintained by the wealthy owner, uh, very meticulous in its design, nothing out of place, everything just as it should be. Uh, and listen, all of it belonged to the master. All of it belongs to the Vanderbilt family. Still today, in fact, I have a friend who was part of economic development in Asheville. Now he works for the Biltmore Foundation. And he says to me through emails, he describes the fact that the wealth of that family is still pretty staggering. It can be seen very plainly in that Biltmore home. In fact, if you're walking around, my, my case, the mouth drops open at the splendor of it all. It is all set up, created, and designed to give glory and honor to the family that owns it. Let me say that again. 
it is all set up and designed to give glory to the family that owns it. Well, in describing the diversity of the vessels, scholars are in complete agreement that what Paul is referencing, of course, is not a specific house, but is rather uh, talking about or referencing the church. You understand that there is nothing more credible, nothing more magnificent, nothing more grandiose than a bunch of sorry, hell-deserving, hell-bound sinners who are saved by the glorious grace of God and come together to form the body of Christ. You understand, folks, that we are as different as we could possibly be. Some are big, some are short, some are fat, some are thin, some are wealthy, some are not, some are educated, some are not. Some of us are good looking, some of y'all are not. It just goes on and on. We are, <laughs> we are as different and diverse as we could be. Would you look at me? There's beauty in our differences. God forbid we were all alike. God forbid we all had the same likes and interests and tastes. I say this all the time. That's the reason God made chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry ice cream. You can have what you like. And some of us who are right with God like it all. Amen. I was down in Texas a few weeks ago. We were, I was doing a presentation. And I, my, my time was after lunch. And so I came back in, I was sitting back down at the table, and one of the vice presidents of a college down in Texas was sitting beside me, and she was that big around. And I looked over at her, and I said, uh, did you enjoy your lunch? And she looked at me, and she said, you know, Dr. Hodges, I forgot to eat. I looked at her, and I said, you are one sick little puppy. You know that? I have forgotten my name, I have forgotten my address, I have forgotten my wife, I have forgotten my children, but I ain't never forgot to eat. And God help, I ain't never going to. Amen. That has nothing to do with the message. But here's the reality, folks. If you look around just the room today, we are as different as we can be. What unites us if we're saved, we belong to the Master. If we're saved, we belong to the master. There is beauty in that difference and in that diversity. Notice not only the arrangement. I want you to notice secondly, so important, the assortment. Scripture tells us in verse number 20 that some of these vessels are of gold. Some of these vessels are of silver. Some are of wood. Some are of clay or of earth as we'd understand it. And each of these vessels we know would be a very particular use. It, its usefulness was, is in all likelihood revealed by the material from which it's made. What do you mean, preacher? You understand that the vessels that are made of gold are not going to be used for the same thing of the vessels that are made of clay. The vessels that are made of silver will have a very specific purpose. It will be different from those vessels that are made of wood. Each vessel had a unique function. Each vessel was different. It was designed to be different. It was made to be different. But you hear me. Each vessel was used for the purpose for which it was created. There are far too many people today, folks, who spend all of their time focusing on what they're not instead of who they are. My Bible tells me we are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
I think we've had enough of believers walking around with their heads down, bemoaning how bad things are. I'm not minimizing what you go through. We go through some big stuff. Please listen to me. I would never minimize that. But you hear me. uh, Celebrate what God has given you. Uh, There are things I wish I could do. Uh, I wish I could sing like Scott or Brother Ken. Uh, I wish I could play like Renee. Uh, I wish I had a mind like my son or talent like my daughter. Uh, God didn't give me that. What he gave me, however, uh, is something that I need to use for him as long as I'm here. Don't wallow in what we're not. Whatever we are, whatever God's given us, glorify God with that. He made you. He made you to be who you are. That don't mean you don't improve yourself. That don't mean you wallow in sin and say, this is who God made me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying to you, uh, whatever talents you've got, whatever abilities you've got, to use that for the glory of God. The assessment, the assortment rather. The arrangement, the assortment. Notice, if you would, thirdly, the assessment. This is the staggering part. If you'll notice in verse 20, the last clause, it says, some to honor. And some to dishonor. Some to honor. And some to dishonor. While each vessel was owned by the same master. While each vessel had a very clear specific function. Each vessel did not bring the same honor. In fact, if I'm reading this correctly, and I believe I am, there were some vessels that brought no honor at all to the believer. I've read a lot of commentators on this particular clause. And almost uniformly, they seem to take the idea that the gold and silver bring honor, while the wood and clay do not. That's certainly a possibility. But I think to myself, if you are thirsty and you reach for a clay vessel and the the owner fills that clay vessel with water and you take a drink, uh, you're going to think that's a good vessel to be used in that possibility. If, however, you reach for a gold-plated cup uh, for a sip of water uh, and the owner says, no, 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 we only use that on special occasions. Uh, Do you understand the gold-plated that's only used on special occasions is of no value to you right now? So here's my little take on this. It really doesn't matter whether it's gold or silver or clay or wood. If that vessel is bringing honor to God, it is a glorious vessel. Let me give it to you another way. It can be the most beautiful vessel there's ever been. It can be shining with gold. You can stand back and ooh and ah, but if it never gets touched, if it always stays in the china cabinet and nobody's able to look at it or touch it or use it for what it was created, it's not much of an honor. By that I mean, folks, you don't have to be the very best to be used of God. You don't have to be the best singer. You don't have to be the best teacher. You don't have to be the best preacher. You don't have to be the best prayer. You don't have to be the best anything to be used of God. The only thing you got to be is the best you to be used of God. One of the most valuable lessons that I ever learned was from my wife's daddy. About six months after I'd answered the call to preach. Like we do here, he, was, he has always 
given young preachers an opportunity. So when there was a, somebody came to him, I'll never forget the first time I came to him on a Saturday and said, preacher, I believe I'm called to preach. He said, great, you'll be preaching tomorrow night. I said, I will be. He said, yep, a preacher preaches, get you a message, get you an outline and go to it. So I didn't know doodly squat. Of course, I never studied anything other than my Bible. I didn't know what to do. I just stood up, prayed, and started talking. About six months into it, he came to me and he said, Greg, I'm not going to tell you a lot of stuff, but I'm going to tell you one thing. God didn't call you to be like somebody else. I spent six months trying to emulate the preachers that I liked. I tried to preach like he did. He stands right behind that pulpit. He never moves. He's got this great big deep voice that comes from the tip of his toes out of his mouth. He speaks. Volume comes out. I tried to be. Would you look at me? I ain't that. Quit laughing. Then I tried for a little while to emulate Bobby Robertson. I loved Bobby Robertson. Bobby Robertson never had a three-point outline. Bobby Robertson would stand up, tell some stories, cry a bucket full of tears, and the altar would be packed. I tried that. Not a single person budged. Then I tried to be Joe Arthur for a little while. I tried to sweat like he does, spit and stomp and tell the jokes that he does, and none of it worked until he pulled me aside and said, Greg, God didn't call you to be Joe Arthur. He didn't call you to be Bobby Robertson. He didn't call you to be Bill Hicks. He called you to be Greg Hodges. Good, bad, or ugly, that's, that's his word, sue me. Good, bad, or ugly, that's who he called you to be. What's the point, preacher? I don't care if you're wood, clay, gold, or silver. You be what God called you and created you to be, and you do it to the very best of your ability because that's what gives God glory. That's what gives God honor. Not trying to be somebody we're not, but being who God made us to be and giving it all to the glory of God. Notice this morning, we see number one. Number one, we see the the diversity of the vessels. I want you to notice number two, the devotion of the vessels. The devotion of the vessels. I want to read one more verse, if I may. Please look with me at verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, and I believe with all of my heart there that the these from which the man is purging himself is what is referred to at the end of verse number 20, the vessels of dishonor. So if a man purge himself from the vessels of dishonor, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Notice quickly this morning the pursuit. I'll remind you that this is a great preacher, Paul, speaking to a brand new preacher, Timothy, and he's saying to him that your pursuit needs to be correct. Can I put it another way? Being a vessel of honor and maintaining an honorable life will not happen by accident. 
I said it downstairs this morning in my Sunday school class, and I'll say it again this morning here in the sanctuary. Living a godly life will not happen without a huge intentionality on your part. Let me give it to you simply. You won't live like a Christian by accident. Being saved is the easiest thing you'll ever do. Living saved is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Becoming a Christian is the easiest decision you'll make. Living the Christian life will take every fiber of your being because this world is set up to make sure that you become a vessel of dishonor. This, this, this pursuit, this word purge, has the idea of a thorough cleansing. Let me give it to you another way. Paul says, Timothy, if you're going to be used of God, you got to watch your life. you got to deal with those issues that need to be addressed. you got to deal with those issues that need to be addressed. I'm going to pause right here and tell you that what I'm about to say for the next seven or eight minutes is not popular in most Christian circles today. I don't, I'm just going to be blunt with you. Because today in Christian circles, we've quit preaching about sin. We've quit preaching about hell. We've quit preaching about living a separated life. But this scripture tells me very, clean, very simply that the Lord's not going to use a dirty vessel. The Lord is not going to use a filthy vessel that we've got to be clean before the Lord. Paul was worried about this himself. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I keep under my body, bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul was worried about losing control of his flesh and consequently being set aside as a vessel of dishonor. How do we do it? How do we live a Christian life? How do we live a life that's pleasing unto God? I'm glad you asked because Paul answers it in verse number 22. Notice what he says to Timothy and to all of us. Flee youthful lusts. Flee, that word means get away from, stay away, run away, don't get near, don't get beside, don't hang around, don't hang out with, uh, run as far away as you can from youthful lusts. You understand, church, uh, we know what is being talked about here. Most, script, most scholars will back up uh, that this means lots of things. We get it. We understand it. Uh, and while the lusts of the past will never disappear entirely, uh, Paul is telling Timothy uh, that you've got to keep yourself at a distance uh, from those things that tempt you. Here's, here's Gregology. You struggle with alcohol, you can't be witnessing down at the bar. Amen. You struggle with drugs, uh, you better stay away from those uh, that have drugs. You struggle with sexual immorality, you better stay away from those that espouse that. You cannot uh, live a Christian life uh, while surrounding yourself with the things that pull you away from God. I said this morning, and again I apologize Sunday school for being repetitive, but I feel led to say it again. The Christian life today is the battle for the mind. You listen to what I'm about to say. Some of you are not going to like it, but I'm saying it because I love you. We're losing our teenagers and our youngsters uh, in part uh, because of what is unfiltered access uh, to the Internet and exposing them to a world they're not ready for. We are exposing children 
to look at things at access, free and clear in the palm of their hand that they are mentally not, look, many adults aren't ready for it. You're not going to tell me an eight-year-old's ready for it. I submit to you this morning that the enemy is smarter today than he's ever been. And rather than fleeing the lusts, we're putting it in the palm of their hands and turning our, God help, we're going to lose a generation, church, because we have abstained from doing our job. Again, I, I apologize, Sunday school. I said this again. Several years ago, to show you how much we try to shelter our... I'm not trying to do it like we did it. But to show you how much we try to shelter our children, I got criticized left and right. Oh, you're keeping them sheltered. You're not... Yeah, doggone straight I was. For as long as I possibly could, I kept them sheltered. They'd have to deal with this junk the rest of their lives. I didn't want them dealing with it at 10 years old. Amen. I didn't want them dealing with it as a little teenager. And so that, again, a Sunday school class, apologies. Uh, when we were still homeschooling that during their middle school years, I was downstairs with the kids. Renee was working on something. I was working on something. I'm on the computer, and I get this up flash, that this, this, this announcement that says, Whitney Houston found dead. My son was 14. My daughter was 12. I said, Renee, you're not going to believe this. Whitney Houston just died. And James says, Daddy, where does she sit in church? Amen. First thing I thought is, oh my God, I've sheltered these kids so much. Then I thought, thank you, God, that I've sheltered these kids so much. Now, let me tell you, they know who it is now. They adults. (laughs) You hear what I'm about to say, folks? I want you to understand this idea of fleeing youthful lust. Parents, we have a responsibility. And again, don't throw your Bibles at me. We sure can't criticize what the school ain't doing when we ain't doing what we're supposed to be doing at the house. And we can't, yeah, man, it's preaching time. We can't criticize what the, we get them at the church three hours a week. You can't undo three hours what they've been exposed to all week long. Flee youthful lusts. Notice, not only does Paul tell Timothy to flee youthful lusts, he also says, In verse 22, but follow righteousness, faith, charity. We know that word to be love, peace. He was literally, Paul says, to flee the flesh, flee youthful lusts, and follow righteousness. Paraphrase it. Seek the way of God. Get yourself away from the presence of temptation and seek the ways of God. May I say to you this morning that the best defense against temptation is to fill our lives with godly pursuits. I'm a big believer. Counseling talks about this in faith-based counseling. I'm a big believer in the doctrine of replacement theory. What does that mean? That means if you get rid of the bad friends, you got to replace them with some good friends. We were, we were created for the most part. Many of us understand this. We were created to be gregarious creatures. Uh, most folks cannot function in isolation. Uh, we will surround ourselves with the wrong people or the right people. And if you are trying to live for God, you cannot surround yourself with the wrong people and expect to live a Christian life. Notice the end of verse 22 says, uh, fair, Faith, charity, peace. And notice this prepositional phrase. With them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. 
Wow. Paul says to the young preacher, Timothy, watch the company you keep. Watch who it is you hang around with. Parents, watch the company your kids keep. Watch grandmas and grandpas. If you have that opportunity to influence that, to watch who it is that your kids hang out with. We got a responsibility to do that. I submit to you this morning, uh, you show me somebody who's a walking away from the Lord and I'll show you somebody who's hanging out with the wrong people. Amen. You show me somebody uh, who used to live for God and has turned their back on the things of God. I will show you somebody who I guarantee you is hanging out with the wrong people. We will never fully get rid of temptation. But you understand that it will be minimized when we surround ourselves with those who love God. I'm not suggesting we shun the lost. We cannot shun the lost. But when those that disobey and disavow and disassociate from God become our BFFs, we got to be real careful. Because I promise you, somebody's influencing somebody. Amen. Finally this morning, notice verse 23 and we're done. The last clause. Verse 24, pardon me. But Verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. Paul warned Timothy against becoming embroiled in stupidness. Amen. My mama used to say this all the time. Bless her heart. She would say, you can't fix stupid. Amen. You can't she had no political correctness. I married somebody who's even worse. Amen. No PC at all. No filter whatsoever. In the mind, out the mouth. Amen. Amen. Mama said, you can't fix stupid. And if I could use this phrase, you understand what I'm about to say. It is so easy to get embroiled in stupid that we forget the big picture. And I've never, I've never seen more stupid than on social media. Amen, preacher. Christians fighting and arguing over the stupidest stuff. Meanwhile, the lost man looks at that and thinks, I don't want nothing to do with that. That's stupid with a capital S, church. People lost and dying and going to hell, and we're arguing over things that don't matter a hill of beans. To Timothy, Paul says, don't do that. You're not helping anybody. If I could summarize all of it, Paul says, Timothy, God wants to use you, but you got to be a vessel of honor. Have you ever noticed... The mistakes that we sometimes as Christians and especially as Baptists make. You can close your Bibles. I'm done with this. I made this mistake very early in my preaching years and pastoring. I would think to myself that we got to worry about the outside. God never operates that way. God always cleans from the inside out. And after a few years of doing some real stupid things myself, it dawned on me 
that as hard as I was trying to clean up everybody's outside, I, first of all, I had my own issues to deal with. Now, preacher ain't going to tell you that, but I will. Secondly, that when we allow God to work from the inside out, he cleans the outside a whole lot better than we ever could to begin with. It's the reason he says separated unto God. Paul says to Timothy, be a vessel of honor. When somebody looks at you, they'll say, give God the glory for who that is. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you for your attention, for your patience. We're going to have a quick song of invitation this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you two questions. The first one applies to everybody who's a Christian. Everybody that loves the Lord. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've got some things that I need to clean up. I've got some areas of my life that I need to work on. To be a vessel of honor. Pleasing unto God. Pray for me. And this morning, oh my goodness, thank you for your honesty, church. Thank you for your candor. I guess half the congregation's hands went up. You can put them down. Now, there are folks already at the altar this morning. Before I ask the second question, if you raise your hand, I'd encourage you to step out right now. Now, here's the truth. Half the congregation's hands went up, so nobody ought to be embarrassed for stepping out right now. Lord, I need to clean up some things in my life so that I'll be pleasing to you. Here's the second question, and it's an important one. You're here today. You're not even in the house. You've never even made it into the master's cabinet because you're not saved never been born again you say preacher pray for me i need to be saved anyone like that this morning father thank you for the time today thank you for the opportunity to share your word bless the invitation lord convict hearts uh, may we draw closer to you this morning in christ's name brother ken sing us a verse if you would please with us this morning. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come. Let's do that chorus one more time. A cappella, Mr. Renee. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Everybody. I need Amen. Every hour. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come Amen. to thee. Don't forget services tonight at 6 o'clock. I'm going to ask Brother Ken with the mic to dismiss us in prayer before he does. Let me give you one more prayer request Renee just gave me. Please pray for Vivian Castle. 
That is Miss Jean Roar's mother. She often comes back in the back in the wheelchair. She's not doing well. And is this hospice, honey? Is that what you, hospice has been called in? Uh, and they, they are giving her just days at this point. So please pray for Miss Castle up in her 90s. Pray for that family as well. Precious, precious lady. So please remember that again. Six o'clock tonight, Brother Ken, dismiss us in prayer if you would. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, for what was brought before us today. Father, thank you for the great challenge, God, that you spoke to our hearts on. Father, help us to ponder on this, Lord, and apply it to our lives. And God, help us to live in a way, God, that's honoring and pleasing to you. Help us to all be honored, vessels of honor, God, that we may bring glory to your name. Father, we pray now for Miss Castle, Lord, for the Roar family. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just grant them grace and mercy in these hours. God, I pray, Father, you'd be with the family, Lord. Love on them. God, show them some kindness, Lord, and some mercy. God, we just want to say this morning, we're thankful for Jesus, the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross to save us from our sins. God, we praise you for that. Father, we love you this morning because you first loved us. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.